Hello, welcome to the Sermons Podcast of Horizon Church in Allentown, Pennsylvania. We want to help people connect with God and connect with each other. If you'd like to know more about us, you can go to our website at horizonconnect.org. Enjoy. Know the Lord and love the Lord and follow Him. And uh, that's what we desire to do. And we help churches understand intentional strategies to help men do just that. We want to create discipleship pathways for men so that every man has an opportunity to grow in his walk with God. And uh, I'm uh, area director for the greater Philadelphia North area. It's primarily Upper Bucks, Upper Montgomery County, a little bit of Lehigh, a little bit of Berks. However, I am the only area director in Pennsylvania, and there is nobody in New Jersey. So if I can get to a church, I minister to them. And uh, over the last year, we've discovered things like Zoom, so it makes it a whole lot easier for me to be able to do that very same thing. Uh, So I would appreciate your prayers uh, as we work with churches, helping them to disciple their men. I've got a little table out in the back just before you go out that door. You're welcome to stop, take a look at it. I got a handful of books out there, a number of different titles. And for guys, if you're willing to read it, you're welcome to take one book. Uh, off of that table, and hopefully we got enough for the guys that want to do that. There's some other resources you, you can uh, take a look at, help yourself to. Uh, I even have a sign-up sheet if you'd like to get my newsletter that comes out about every other month and an opportunity to follow what I do that's out there as well. Well, this morning we're going to look at uh, Matthew's Gospel, the fourth chapter. And so if you have your Bibles, I invite you to turn there with me. Matthew's Gospel, the fourth chapter. Every new year is a time for a lot of people to make New Year's resolutions. So we're six months now uh, into the new year. We're halfway through, just about here to July. So I don't know how many of you have made resolutions. The real question is, how many of you kept them? Uh, Maybe even more basic, how many of you remember the resolutions that you made back in January, right? Uh, Somebody prayed a New Year's prayer that went something like this, Dear God, my prayer for this new year is that you would give me a fat bank account and a thin body. Please do not confuse them like you did last year. (laughs) Maybe you can identify with that. Jonathan Edwards uh, lived from 1703 to 1758. He was a pastor. Uh, He was... A, a, a college president. Uh, he was a theologian. He was one of the influential men in the first great awakening, that great revival that took place uh, back in the 1730s, 1740s. And he made two resolutions. They weren't New Year's resolutions. They were just life resolutions. And his two resolutions were simply this. He said, I will live for God. Resolution number one. Resolution number two, if no one else does, I still will. And imagine, if you just grab hold of those two resolutions, that would change your life. And I want to share with you something from the Scriptures that I trust can be life-changing for you this morning as well. A life-changing prayer for your life. 
And we're going to find it, the truths of it here, in Matthew's Gospel, the fourth chapter. I'm going to read beginning at verse uh, 17 down to verse 22. Follow along if you have your Bibles. I'm reading out of the New International Version. And it says this, From that time on, Jesus began to preach, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. And as Jesus was walking beside the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon called Peter and his brother Andrew. They were casting a net into the lake, for they were fishermen. And then our text, verse 19, Come, follow me, Jesus said, and I will make you fishers of men. And that word men is a generic word. It's not male versus female. It's I will, I will uh, make you fishers of people. And at once they left their nets and followed him. And going on from there, he saw two other brothers, James, son of Zebedee, and his brother John, and they were in a boat with their father Zebedee, preparing their nets, and Jesus called them. And immediately, they left the boat and their father, and they followed him. And again, our text, verse 19, come follow me, Jesus said, and I will make you fishers of men. And you might be thinking, you're going to give us a life-changing prayer out of this passage of Scripture, but Dave, I don't see a prayer here. I see Jesus calling disciples. I don't see a prayer. And if you are thinking that way, good for you. Uh, Pastor Bud has taught you well uh, on how to think through the Scriptures. But here's the thing. That if we would take the truths that are found in that verse of Scripture, the calling of Jesus to those very first disciples, and we would grab hold of them so that they become the daily attitude of our lives, and that we would take the truths and turn them into a prayer that we would pray to God for ourselves, that has the power to change your life. For you see, one of the reasons resolutions fail when we make them at the beginning of the year, is because they are often the expression of our will, of our desire. And we don't always have the follow-through for that. But what I want to share with you this morning out of this passage of Scripture, it's not an expression of our will, it's the expression of the will of Jesus. That we would become disciples. That's the very thought of what He's doing here. Matter of fact, the New Living Translation translates the beginning of this verse, Jesus saying, come, be my disciples. And at Man in the Mirror, we're all about making disciples. So I want to talk to you about that this morning. And a disciple is a learner, a, a student, a follower. And in that day and in that culture, there would be men that would kind of gravitate to a certain teacher, and they would literally follow that teacher around everywhere he went. And they would listen to what he had to say. And they would watch how he lived, how he conducted himself. And as they were walking along the road or maybe relaxing around a campfire at night, whatever it might be, they would be asking him questions. And he would be asking them questions. And they would even memorize some of the things that he was teaching because they wanted to be just like their teacher. And it's in that context that Jesus is calling disciples. Not quite at that slide yet, but that's okay. We'll get there in a minute. And Jesus' strategy here for disciple-making is given to us. 
And he's making this call to these men to be disciples, not apostles yet. That'll come later. He's calling them to simply be disciples. And the thing is this, that what was true of those first disciples is also true of us. That their call is our call. That Jesus, in essence, is saying to us the very things that he said to them. Come, follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. That call has three components. They all work together. They all require a response on our part. And if we will respond to them with our heart attitude and what I'm going to share with you, which is really a simple prayer, it can change your life. So let's take a look at them. The first of them is up there. Apologize for how that slide's turning out. It looked really good on my computer. Uh, maybe not so good here. So the first, the first thing that I want to share with you, the first aspect of the prayer is this. Lord Jesus, lead me. Lord Jesus, lead me. That's our response to the words of Jesus. Come, follow me. He calls us to follow. Our response, Jesus, lead me. And the thing I want you to grab hold is this. He will always, always, always lead you to himself. He'll always do that. Every call of Jesus is a call to come, to draw near to him. So he says, come, follow me. Matthew chapter 11, verse 28, Jesus made this statement. Come to me, all you who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Come to me. In Mark's Gospel, chapter 3, verses 13 and 14, the call of these same men, not to be disciples, but now to be apostles, and he says this, Jesus went up into the hills, called to him those he wanted. They came to him. He appointed 12, designating them apostles, that they might be with him. He will always lead you to himself when we follow you see, what Jesus doesn't say here to these men is come be fishers of men. That's sometimes how we read this verse. Come be fishers of men. Right? We're good at kind of wanting the bottom line, right? Somebody asks something of us, well, what's the bottom line? What do you want? And we might read this verse, verse 19, the same way. Jesus, what do you want? Oh, I get it. You want me to be a fisher of men. And if that's how we read it, we're missing some of the truth that's here. Because he doesn't say that. He says, come, follow me. You see, this isn't a transactional statement. It's a relational statement. I, 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 it's not a call primarily to serve. It's a call to spend time with him. To get to know him. It, to learn about him. It, it's the call of John 15 to abide in him. To remain in him. To stay close to him. To draw life from him. And we do that today primarily as we get into the Word of God. And it's there that, that we get to know the Lord. And it's there that He speaks to us by His Spirit through the Word. So my question to you all this morning is this. Are you heeding the call? He said, come follow me. Have you responded by saying, Lord Jesus, lead me. Lead me. The thing is this. Nothing will change 
in our lives until we first settle this issue, until this changes, until we say, Lord, lead me, I'm willing to follow. And so the prayer, simply, Lord, lead me. Lead me to know you better. Lead me to love you more. Now, there's something else here about this Lord Jesus, lead me. He'll always lead you to himself, but he'll always do this as well. He will always lead you to acknowledge his lordship. To acknowledge his lordship. For it's come follow me, he says in verse 19. And it literally means to come behind. To come behind. He's not saying, come and go ahead of me and I'm going to catch up to you somewhere along the way. He doesn't even say, come along beside me and we're going to kind of figure life out together. It's you come behind me. I'm leading, you You follow. 77 times in the Gospels, we read about this thing of following used in connection with Jesus. And the thought behind it is that this is one going in the same direction. So that Jesus is saying, this is the direction that I'm going, boys. And we respond by going in the same direction that he's going. You, you see, disciples follow the leading of Jesus every day. We have this gospel that, that I trust you've placed your faith in, this gospel that tells us that we're sinners in need of a Savior, and that Jesus died on the cross for our sins and buried and rose again, and that if we'll come and place our faith and trust in Him, He'll forgive us of our sins. That's the gospel. But many times in Scripture, it's called the gospel of the kingdom, which means that there's a king. And it's Jesus. And we're to obey Him. And we're to serve Him. So, so how well are you following this morning? If you name the name of Christ. How well are you following Him? You see, the disciples' job description boils down to one very simple thing. Follow Jesus. Everything else flows from that. Maybe you've seen them on the internet, either a little video or slide presentation, and it's entitled, You Had One Job. Have you seen those? Right? And they show a picture of somebody who had a one job and they just screwed it up. You had one job and you couldn't get it right, right? Well, you and I, as followers of Jesus, have one job. It's to follow. That's it. You say, oh, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute, Dave. You know, aren't we supposed to spend time with him? Isn't that our job? Well, yeah, we're supposed to spend time with him. But am I really going to spend time with the Lord if I'm not following him? Doesn't the following come first? You say, well, aren't we supposed to trust him? Trust in the Lord with all of your heart. Lean not on your own understanding and all your ways acknowledge Him. He'll direct your path. And that's exactly correct. Yeah, we're to trust Him. But can I say that I trust Him if I'm not willing to follow Him? Or you might say, well, aren't we supposed to love Him? Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Yes, we're to love Him. But am I going to really love Him if I'm not following Him? You say, well, aren't we supposed to obey Him? Keep His commandments. Yeah, we're to obey Him. But am I really obeying him if I'm not following? Aren't we supposed to serve him? He's given us gifts and abilities to serve. Yeah, 
Yeah, we're supposed to serve him. But am I really going to serve him if I'm not following? See, it, it all boils down to that. And the prayer is, Lord Jesus, lead me. Lead me to know you better. Lead me to understand your lordship. Lord, you call the shots. You take the wheel. I'll be your obedient child, your humble servant. And discipleship starts right there. And everything else builds off of that. It's the essential first thing for the other two aspects of the prayer that I want to give you this morning. So the first part of the prayer, simple prayer, Lord Jesus, lead me. Second part of the prayer that's built on this passage, this verse of Scripture, is this. It's, Lord Jesus, change me. For he said, come follow me, and I will make you. And our response to that is, Lord Jesus, change me. Now, understand for a moment that Jesus isn't saying, I will force you. Because sometimes we use that expression, you know, you say to our kids, you, you, you better eat those vegetables or I'm going to make you, right? That's not what Jesus is saying. Uh, Y'all remember the, the movie, A Christmas Story? You know, the one with Ralphie, you shoot your eye out, kid, you know, right? And, and there's a scene in there where they run into Scott Farkas, you know, there's this big kid, he's got this coonskin cap and he's got yellow eyes and 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 he's there he's got one of those little kids and he's got his arm behind the back and he's twisting their arm and he says say uncle say uncle say uncle and finally little kid says uncle well scott made him he forced him but that's not what jesus is saying he's not saying here come follow me and i'm going to force you to do something you do not want to do that is not the intention as a matter of fact, in Mark's Gospel, chapter 7, verse uh, 37, uh, this same word, to make, is used. Listen to what it says here. Uh, and it says in, uh, let me make sure I get it right here. 3, verse 37, where'd you go? Yep, Mark 7. Up, oh, turn the page. There it is. Yep, here it is. <laughs> People were overwhelmed with amazement. He's done everything well, they said. He makes our word. He makes even the deaf hear and the mute speak. He makes them. Do you think he was forcing them? Do you think, do you think there are those that was, who couldn't hear saying, well, no, no, Jesus, don't you dare hear me. I, I don't want to, don't you make me to hear. Do you think he was saying to those who couldn't speak, you know, they're, they're basically saying, uh-uh, oh, uh-uh, uh-uh. They desperately wanted to hear. They desperately wanted to speak. So when it says that he makes them, the thought is that he changed them. And that's the thought behind the word. It's to change from one thing to another. So here were people who were deaf and couldn't hear, and now he's changed them so that they could hear. There were those who couldn't speak, and now he's changed them so that they could speak. Mark, in his gospel, gives us this, this same calling of those disciples in Mark chapter 1, verse 17. And Mark adds two little words in the original that don't always get translated into the English. And it literally reads, come follow me and I will make you to become fishers of men. To become. That's a change. You're not that now, but you will be. I will change you. And it's a change 
That's to be more like Jesus. That's the intention of a disciple. You follow because you want to be like the teacher. We call ourselves Christians who name the name of Christ. Are you aware that it means literally little Christ? It was used as a term of derision, of mocking. They would see these believers running around and say, look at those little Christs. These, these, these people run around thinking they're like Jesus, acting like Jesus, talking like Jesus, following this Jesus. And they meant it to mock them, but it was really a high compliment. Here were, here were men and women who were living out their faith following Jesus. And they were being changed. And that's what discipleship is. It's transformation. It's not about more information. It's not about changing your occupation. You know, I, well, I'm a disciple now. I can't do this. I got to go be a pastor or a missionary or something else. It's not any of those things. It is a change by the Spirit from the inside out where He changes us. Not our personality, but our character. So that discipleship is more about being than it is about doing. He wants us to be more like Him. So I don't know about you, but I, I discovered that there's like way too much of me in me. And I need more Him and less of me. Can you all identify with that? Isn't that true? And he wants to change you and I to be more like Jesus. There's something else about this that, that I think is really important to point out, and it's this. It is this. It is the change for which Jesus is responsible. It's a change for which Jesus is responsible. Come follow me, and I will make See, we don't come to faith in Jesus, and Jesus says, all right, now, that's great. Now, you go clean up your act, and you stop all this, you know, sinning and all this other stuff. You just clean up your act, and then come back to me, and we'll have a conversation. Now, he's saying, you follow me, and I will do the work in you. You just need to follow. And he'll use the Word of God to transform our thinking that ultimately transforms our behavior that he's going to use other believers in our life as iron sharpens iron to help change and transform us to be more like Jesus. He's going to use the circumstances of our life, those things that, that we think are good, those things even that we think are bad, because all things work together for the good of those who love God. And they will be used in the process of making us more like Jesus. And he's going to use our failures. Because I'm going to tell you, we all fail. He's going to use our failures because they, they bring us to a point of humility and brokenness where we're open to God doing something in our life and ultimately He's going to use the Spirit through all of that to transform us to be more like Jesus. So you're familiar with Ephesians, I trust, chapter 2, verses 8 and 9. For by grace are you saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It's the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. And then verse 10 says this, for we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus unto good works, which God has before ordained we should walk in, and we are his workmanship, his. So I, I don't know, I may have told you about a friend of mine by the name of Mary. She was a member of my former congregation, a sweet elderly lady, played the piano for us, good sense of humor, loved the Lord. And when I left the ministry, I kind of lost contact with Mary for about 10 years. 
And, and I heard that she was in a nursing home nearby. And so I would begin to go visit Mary about once a week or so. And Mary, by this point, she's like 95. And she has dementia. And I would go and I would visit with her. And we would sit and we would talk. And I would read maybe a book to her or read scripture. And she'd just come alive when you read scripture. And, uh, and she, even in, even in the mental state that she was in, Mary would lament the fact that she felt like she was useless there, sitting in the nursing home. Because she wanted to serve God. That was like always her desire. And so I tried to encourage Mary. Mary, God can use you right here just as you are, just as you're living for Jesus. And when people come in or you know, nursing staff come in, just the sweetness of your personality testifies to Jesus. And I quoted her this verse where his workmanship in Christ Jesus. And I, and, and I said, Mary, do you know what that means? And, you know, sweet, innocent Mary looks up at me and says, no. And I said to Mary, Mary, it means you're a piece of work. <laughs> and Mary laughed and I laughed. We had a good time with that. But there's truth in that. We're his piece of work. We're his masterpiece. He's working in us. He's doing the work. So how is Christ working in you? Is he changing you? Can people see more of Jesus in you today than what they saw in him a year ago or two years ago? Is that the cry of your heart? Is that your prayer? Lord Jesus, change me. Make me more like Jesus. Transform me that my character, that my attitudes, that my actions, that my words would reflect more of you and less of me. So I've given you two parts to the prayer. Simple prayer, right? Lord Jesus, lead me. Lord Jesus, change me. Here's the third part. Lord Jesus, work through me. Work through me. For Jesus says, come follow me and I will make you fishers of men. And our response, okay, Lord, work through me. You see, the focus becomes in our life, not only am I focused on Jesus, but when I'm focused on Jesus and his character begins to form within me, I find myself being more like Jesus so that now I'm beginning to get concerned about others. Not just me, not just my immediate little family, not even my church family. It's about others. And it's a change of orientation that, that now I'm going to look at people differently. I, I'm going to see my neighbors not just as people who live next door or on my block. I'm going to see them as people who may very well be in need of Jesus. How can I be light and salt to them? How can I love them? How can I minister to them? It's all about influencing people for the kingdom. That's what Jesus wants us to do. So, so let, me talk, let me help you a little bit here with this thing about being fishers of men. Because if your background is anything like my background, I grew up in a church, and I heard this. I heard this verse, scripture, tons of times. I heard messages on this. And every time I heard the message, being fishers of men, it was always, always, always about evangelism. That we need to go out and share the gospel and bring people to Jesus. And you know what? We need to go out and share the gospel and bring people to Jesus. But that's not all of what Jesus intends here. But let me suggest to you that what we've done, unfortunately, over the last several decades in the American church culture is that we have separated evangelism from discipleship. So that's a matter, well, somebody can come to faith in Jesus and that's perfectly okay, 
But we don't have to really worry about discipling them. I mean, they've prayed the prayer. They've got their ticket punched. They're going to heaven. That's all good. But Jesus has this thing called discipleship as well. And he never intended that evangelism and discipleship should be separated. They are linked. They are joined together. So that evangelism is the first step in discipleship. Pat Morley, who's the founder of Man in the Mirror, makes this statement that evangelism without discipleship is just cruel. And think about it. You've led people to this new life in Jesus Christ, and now you leave them and you never show them how they can truly live for Jesus. So when Jesus, you see, he's, here, here he is in, in Mark's gospel or Matthew's gospel chapter 4, to the very first disciples, I will make you fishers of men. Right? And then you go all the way to the end of the New Testament, Jesus' death, burial, resurrection. He's about ready to be ascended. And what does he do in Matthew 28? He gives the Great Commission. Go into all the world and make what? Disciples of all nations. Do you think Jesus changed his mind? Do you think he's saying, well, yeah, boys over here, it's all about evangelism, all about evangelism. But then when he comes over, you know what, guys? I, I changed my mind. It's all about discipleship, all about discipleship now. No. Nothing has changed from when he said, I will make you fishers of men, to when he says, go and make disciples, because the intention is that that's exactly what he's talking about. You see, you don't just catch fish. Once you catch them, you got to clean them. That's discipleship. That's discipleship. And who makes the best fishers of men? Those who are most Christ-like. Those who have said, Lord Jesus, lead me. Lord Jesus, change me. And then as the Lord Jesus changes us, the amazing thing happens is that we, all of a sudden, we, our eyes are opened and we see people differently and people see us differently. So when Jesus is leading you and changing you, and making him more like, making you more like him. You see, you can't help but have an impact. It's just going to happen. I got a neighbor by the name of Jim. I don't know what time we're supposed to be done. Is there a time I'm supposed to be done? No. Okay, thank you. Um, <laughs> uh, but I'm almost done. I'm, we're we're beginning to wrap it up here, okay? I only come once a year. I mean, come on. <laughs> Give me a little slack, right? So at any rate, so Jim's my next door neighbor. Jim's 73 years of age. Last year, in January, his wife died. She had had a stroke, been in the hospital. He let me know. My wife and I went up. We visited. We prayed with him. Um, I, you know, we've had interactions with him over the last number of years as they've been our neighbors. Uh, never really all that responsive to, to the gospel or anything that, that we had to say. But that was all right. We still loved him. We still cared for him, right? And so I get a call, you know, about a week or so after Sally had the stroke in the hospital. He says, David, I just want to let you know, Sally passed away last night. Now, I could have simply said, Jim, that, that is, I'm so sorry. I will pray for you. If there's anything I can do, you just let me know. And then I would have gone on my merry way, and he would have gone on his, and that would have been the end of it. But I get this little prompting of the Spirit to say, Jim, would you like to go out to breakfast tomorrow? and just talk. And Jim says, yeah, I really would like that. So, so we go to the diner the next morning, and, and I don't know what to expect. I'm, you know, I'm, I'll listen to whatever he has to say, whatever. Um, 
But we get down and we start talking, and Jim's talking about Sally, and we're not 10 minutes in the conversation, however, before Jim's saying to me, my life spiritually is just such a mess. I need to get right with God. And, and I'm like, I think I can help you with this, right? And we talk a little bit more, and I'm saying, Jim, I got this book. I just happened to bring the book along. And it's one of our books. It's called How God, oh, it's talked about uh, Man Alive. I said, would you be interested in going through this book with me? It's got some really good stuff for guys in it. He said, yeah, I'd like that. And, and so we got together every week. He would read a chapter. we get together. we talk about little discussion questions at the end of the chapter. And Jim was just eating it up. I mean, you could just see Jim starting to come alive. See, Jim had made a profession of faith in Jesus when he was a little kid. But, and he had some fits and spurts with churches. But for decades, he really hadn't lived at all for the Lord. And then after that book, it's like, well, what do we do now, Dave? So, well, you know, want to go through another book that, that we have? And it's called How God Makes Men. And we went through that, 10 chapters, 10 weeks. And then I said, Jim, hey, let's go through the Gospel of John. And I'll take you through a chapter at a time, once, you know, one chapter a week. And you read the chapter and we'll discuss it. We just kind of a running discussion on that chapter. And we did all of that. And then we went through the book of Romans. And that took about a year to do all those things. And by this point, Jim's attending the church that I'm leading, uh, and Jim, you know, is just growing like a weed. And I finally say to him, I say, Jim, I think you've, I think you've been far enough along. We're ready to graduate you, and you need to come to the men's group. And Jim started going to men's group. Now, quite frankly, I didn't do much of anything but just be available for the Spirit of God to work through me, to lead me, to direct me. And my prayer was, Lord Jesus, work through me. And that's what he did. And, and the reality is that he can do that in your life as well. You don't have to be theologically trained. You don't have to have all kinds of degrees. You just need to be available and open to the leading of the Lord. And just think about it. Think about the difference that it would make in this congregation at Horizon if, if every one of you gravitated to this, to the prayer, that's the, the thoughts that are in this verse of Scripture, Lord Jesus, lead me, change me, work through me. And just think if, if in the course of the next year, however long, that the Lord used you to just impact one person, whether it was nudging them a little further towards Jesus Christ, maybe giving you the privilege to, to lead them to Jesus, or maybe it's that person within this congregation or someone with outside who knows the Lord, but they need to be discipled. And you just came alongside them. And, and you just, you know, shared the word of God with them. You just helped them. You just nudged them in that direction. You invited them to church. You invited them to the men's study or to the ladies' study or whatever it might be. Imagine the difference that it could make in this congregation, in this community, if we just got serious about doing the very thing Jesus has called us to do. So how's Jesus working through you? If not, maybe you need this prayer this morning. Maybe you need this prayer this morning. Now, just as we wrap it up, one thing I've got to point out to you is this. Verse 20. And at once they left their nets and followed him. And the thing we've got to grab hold of is this. There, there's no following. There's no changing. There's no real ministry without first leaving. 
He called them and they left. And that word to leave means to forsake or to abandon. In Matthew chapter 19, verse 27, Peter says to Jesus, Lord, we've left everything to follow you. And Jesus never corrected him because they had. And so my question to us this morning is this, is there something today, this morning, that you're holding on to that's keeping you back from this call of discipleship, that's keeping you back from really praying this prayer with meaning for your life? You see, I don't want to just communicate up here and communicate truth. That's a great thing to do. I, I want to preach for a decision. To say, hey, let's do something. If the Spirit of God's speaking to you, then let's move it. So I don't know what the specifics may be for you. Maybe it's some sin you're holding on to. I mean, pet sin, and, and man, you just, you just nurse that thing, and you just kind of, it's your little secret sin, and it's what's holding you back. And, and if you're going to be serious about following Jesus, letting him lead you, change you, work through you, you just, you just got to let it go and forsake it. But maybe it's something in your past that you've just been holding on to. Maybe something that happened and you're just blaming the Lord for it and you're kind of upset at him and you're just going to hold on to this thing. And if you're really going to get serious about following Jesus, you just got to let it go. Maybe it's some hurt. Maybe even someone, you know, within this congregation, they've hurt you in some way, and you're just kind of nursing that hurt, nursing that hurt, and holding on to it. And if you're going to get serious about following Jesus, you've got to leave it. You've got to let it go. And maybe it's just a control issue. You know, I'm not real comfortable saying, Jesus, lead me, you know, letting him take control, because then that means I'm not in control, and I've got to hold on to it. But if we're really going to be followers of Jesus, disciples of his, man, we just got to let it go. <laughs> Corey Ten Boom made the statement. He says, hold things in your hand lightly because it doesn't hurt as much when the Lord has to pry your fingers open. <laughs> so what do you got to let go of this morning? See, to leave everything is to put all of your trust, all of your hope, all of your happiness, all of your security in Jesus and in Jesus alone. So the prayer that can change your life, Lord Jesus, lead me. Lord Jesus, change me. Lord Jesus, work through me. Let us pray. I trust that in all of this this morning, you haven't just heard my words, but that somehow through all of that, you've heard the Spirit speaking to your heart, to your life. Maybe this is a prayer you need to pray. Maybe there are things you need to let go of. If that's the case, just take a moment with heads bowed and eyes closed and the quietness of your heart just to let go of whatever it is so that you can truly follow Him. And if this prayer that I've shared with you, this simple little prayer, is the desire of your heart, if it's something that, that you say, man, that's what I want to pray for my life going forward, 
would you just be willing to slip up your hand and say, hey, Dave, as we close in prayer, would you just remember me in a general way? Because I want that prayer in my prayer. Is there anybody? Just lift your hand and say, hey, I want that. Yep, I see it. Yes, 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 yeah, yeah, yeah. Thank you, thank you. Father, you have sent your son, Jesus. He has redeemed us through his own blood, and he's called us to follow him. And I would pray for everyone here at Horizon, men, women, teenagers, children, that, Lord, you would raise up a people who will be your disciples, who will say, Lord Jesus, lead me, change me, work through me. May you change lives today and going forward for your kingdom's sake. And now unto him who is able to keep you from falling and to present you faultless before his presence with exceeding joy to the only wise God, our Savior, be glory and majesty, dominion and power both now and forevermore. And all God's people said, Amen. Thanks for listening. If you'd like to know more about Horizon Church, please go to the website at horizonconnect.org. Have a great week.